0: Welcome to the Modern Jewish Girl Podcast. I'm Jenna, lawyer by training, writer and teacher by choice. Originally from New York, I am a proud wife and mother living in the holy city of Jerusalem. Join me as we delve into the Holy Torah's teachings and apply them to our lives. I keep it short and sweet, but always deep. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. This week's episode is a fun one. I got to sit down and schmooze with my friend, Alex Siegel. Alex was working at her dream job at Seventeen Magazine in New York City when she found herself trying to keep Shabbos and dressing modestly, among other things. Her journey has taken her from New York City to Israel to Moscow. Yes, she lives in Moscow, Russia. So cool. In our conversation, Alex and I really unpack all facets of navigating life, both professionally and personally, while trying to grow Jewishly as well. I just wanted to give you a little more background about Alex before we jump in. Alex is an editor, writer, and content creator. Most recently, she launched a website called Chai on Life to profile and highlight inspirational Jewish women. Previously, she was the editor-in-chief of 2.0, a business magazine from Mishpacha. She was also a news editor at People Style and an assistant editor at Seventeen Magazine. Her work has appeared on popsugar.com, people.com, and time.com. Alex graduated from Binghamton University with a degree in English, and she currently lives in Moscow, Russia with her husband and her son. Before we start, I just want to make a brief note that lately I've been doing more conversations on the podcast as opposed to speaking by myself, and I've been thinking a little bit about this, you know, what it means to be a modern Jewish girl, a modern Jewish woman, a modern Jewish person, and to me, it's really about learning Torah and living Torah. And I created this podcast to kind of showcase Jewish wisdom and how we apply it to our lives. So I think about the solo episodes that I do more as focusing on the wisdom aspect, the learning Torah aspect. Obviously, I speak a little bit about how I implement these things in my life, whereas the conversations are more about the process and the struggle and the triumphs of living Torah with some wisdom, of course, sprinkled in throughout these conversations that are based in Jewish sources. So with that, I hope you're enjoying and you enjoy the variety of the conversations and solo episodes. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear feedback as I continue to develop the podcast. Okay, without further ado, let's jump in. Okay, Alex, thank you so much for being here with me. I'm really, really excited to talk to you, and I've wanted to have this conversation for a long time.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on your podcast.
0: Thanks. <laughs> okay. So first I want to hear, I want listeners to hear a little bit about your story, how you grew up Jewishly and what initially inspired your Jewish journey.
1: Jewishly, I grew up pretty reformed. Um, I grew up in Livingston, New Jersey, and for the most part, and I went to Hebrew school. I had a bat mitzvah. Um And I, I really enjoyed that, but I never really felt connected to, um, my Judaism, um, in a deep way. And, you know, after I had my bat mitzvah, I kind of, it kind of ended even more so from there. Mm. Um, I don't remember in high school having much of any connection to Judaism beyond just, you know, my family did some of the holidays, um, we did Rosh Hashanah dinners and Pesach, like really the basics. I feel like
0: I'm listening to my own story at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. So it was really not so much there. And that was just what I knew. Um, it's funny because actually where I grew up, there are observant Jews um, in the community. I remember just driving around on Saturdays and I would see them walking and I just felt yep. really I was like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah, like it was very removed from that. And then I went to college at Binghamton University and going there, I had no idea how Jewish it was um, <laughs> at all. Like I, <laughs> it was not a factor in choosing it. And then I went and my second day of school, I, my sweet mate was like, do you want to go to Chalavikin at Chabad? And I was like, yeah, like who doesn't <laughs> love to So I went and that kind of really started the process. I met the reverts in there and I really connected with her. And we just really, like, it kind of snowballed. Like, I started doing programming with Chabad and learning a little bit. And then there was also a Hillel. And I remember my sophomore year, I think I applied to go on a trip they were doing. And so then from there, I got in touch with Hillel. And then I went on birthright with Hillel. And I went to Israel another time on a Jewish national fund trip with them. Nice. And then I found yeah, I found my, or like our campus had so much and I found wow. Mayor, or which, you know, is a cure organization, if people don't know. And I started learning with them and my senior year, um, I was learning three times a week, just at Chabad, Hillel, like, wow. With a mayor rabbi. I just, I think I lo- I just loved the learning. And I just felt like I was being taught how to be a person because <laughs> <which I'm sure laughs> the, they're just things we don't, learn you know in school or anywhere else and I was like this is amazing but I still never thought I would be religious I was just like I love the learning wow yeah the rabbi from my was like you know you can go to Israel for free and I was like no (laughs) I was like I already did that what do you mean like how do I go again for free I already went on birthright and so then he told me about the mayor trip and so when I graduated I went on the mayor trip and yeah, it was great. It was learning and touring. And at the end of that trip, I met a woman named Jackie Engel, who a lot of people probably know. Yes. And now Glazer. And she was like, you should stay. We're starting this other program called J internship, um, where you can intern in the mornings and continue learning. And I just felt like I have to do it. Like it just really felt like I had just graduated college. My only plan was to go home and look for a job. Like it's probably one of the only times in my life I can do something like this. Like I should just stay. So I stayed. Yeah. And it was awesome. It was a great experience, great program. Um, And I really did love to continue learning. And then I went back um, to America and she was starting a young professional women's learning group in America. Oh, Jackie. uh, Jackie was called Sold.
0: Yeah. Sold. They're still sold today. It's, it's really it's grown.
1: It's grown immensely. And so this was in 2012 was the fall of 2012 was when it started.
0: Mm.
1: So wow. I went and um, yeah, I met girls there who literally on the first day, some of the women that I met like are still my closest friends to this day. And wow. yeah, just, it was such a blessing. We all just learned together and grew together and
0: so yeah. important having a group like that. Like I always say, you need to have like a tribe, like you need to have your, your tribe of people who you're like growing with your community, you know, because to do it alone is so hard.
1: A hundred percent. I look back and I can't imagine not having that because yeah, like you can't keep Shabbat alone. You can't wow. <laughs> have, Yeah, like have these important conversations with, you know, as you're growing and changing and to see other people like you agreed. It's so, so important.
0: Yes. Okay. So you're back in New York city.
1: Back in new york city um yeah so yeah
0: <laughs> the concrete jungle and concrete
1: so when, jungle. so what yeah.
0: happened so you landed your first job at 17 magazine
1: yes so i will share a bit of a practice like divine intervention story um mm-hmm. Because I feel like maybe it is helpful for those who are also on this journey. But I was in Israel and I was like, okay, I'm just, you know, when I get back, I'll look for a job. So, toward the end of the Israel experience, I started connecting with former interns, former bosses, um, just people that I knew from different internships I had in college. And um, one of the girls that I reached out to, I had interned with her at Or no, I actually didn't intern with her. I was interning at Shape Magazine and she was interning at 17. Mm And we met at like an intern networking event. And so she was a year older. And so she was like, hey, like my former boss at 17 is actually looking for someone. So the day after I got back from Israel, I went in for this interview. Wow. And I I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) And it was a dream job. And yeah, I was like, it was really also rewarding to see that, you know, pushing off that search for a little bit, like not only was it totally fine, but I got an amazing job right when I got back. And I know that doesn't always happen, but just, you know, as reassurance for people that, you know, it doesn't mean you're throwing anything away, like things might be there for you in the perfect time when you get back. So
0: a hundred percent that it actually also happened like that with, with me and, um, and my husband too, where like he, you know, right after law school, he didn't get a job right away. He went to Yeshiva for two years, which is a long time. And yeah. then and then right when he came back, you know, a few months, I should say three months after we moved to Los Angeles. Thank God he found a great job, which he still has today. And it just happened to me they were looking for somebody that he really fit the bill in terms of what they were looking for. And it, it I always I've yet to meet somebody who spent took time off for their own personal development and then lost out in the end professionally, like somehow it just seems like, you know, Hashem, Hashem takes care of it in one way or another. It's, so that's an, that's a really awesome story. Okay. So what was it like working in the magazine industry while you were exploring Judaism and still growing? Cause you were kind of, you're kind of like figuring it out still for yourself. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was definitely very much two paths growing at the same time. I was really passionate and excited about my career and worked really hard at it. And then I was learning at the same time and I was learning like with sold and then eventually with other things once a week. Um, And it did feel like a little bit of a double life in the beginning because they felt really different. Um, And I had like totally different groups of people that I was with for both things. Mm. Um, But it was fine. You know, I was doing both things and I didn't know what would come of the Jewish side of it yet necessarily. I really enjoyed doing, we'd started doing Shabbat dinners with the girls or at different places. And then I remember it was one summer though. I think I had started to fully keep Shabbat. Um, I remember it was a very slow process. I, I was like, okay, I'll keep part of the day Saturday. Like I turned on my phone in the afternoon and, wow. and then eventually, yeah, I was keeping it. And I remember that summer because it's summer. So it's a really good time. You don't really have to tell your job. It starts after work ends and right. it was great. And then when I got back though, because I had that time where I didn't have to tell work and I realized, Oh, I'm kind of like doing Shabbat consistently now. Like, I guess I keep Shabbat. <laughs> um, yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to tell my boss. And I was so, so nervous because especially it wasn't like I was starting a new job and telling her like she had known me. I was like, she's going to think I'm so weird all of a sudden now I'm just doing this thing. And <laughs> yeah. And I, had like two prep calls with two mentors and I printed out calendars with all the times of when Shabbat would start. And I went into her office and thank God she was very chill and calm. And she was like, okay, like, let me know if anyone gives you any issues, but it should be fine. I was like,
0: wow, it's a a big blessing,
1: a big lesson. And actually one of the prep calls I had With actually a chabad Rabitsin, I think I'm saying she was like, Do you think you're the most important person that keeps Shabbat? (laughs) And like that was a good reality check also just to be like, okay, I could do this. So
0: amazing. I think it's so good for people to hear what you're saying on multiple for multiple reasons. First of all, the fact that you you were in this kind of in-between place for a while, and that's okay. And I think sometimes you need to be in that kind of uncomfortable middle place in order to get where you want to be because you know, growth happens in small steps. It's, a, it's not overnight. And, you know, you turned your phone on Shabbat afternoons, like that's what you had to do at that time. And then and then you got to a point where you were like, okay, I want to keep Shabbat. And then the fact that your boss was so supportive, I think it's good for people to hear because it gives people hope, <laughs> you know, like that you, there are people out there who are understanding and supportive and uh, it is possible. It is possible to have an awesome job and, uh, and keep Shabbos. A hundred
1: percent, a hundred percent agreed. Yeah. And I will say on the slow route, like, I think that was really the nature of my whole Jewish journey. And I know some people move more quickly. And I think it's just, yeah, really important to just keep moving at a pace that's right for you. And it yes. will happen naturally. Yeah.
0: hundred percent. So important working in, you know, 17 magazine and in that whole industry, how did it affect your ideas about modesty? was that something you were thinking about when you were working there or I'm just curious what that was like?
1: Yeah. So it was, it was interesting because especially in the beginning, I didn't really think about that. And I remember I had, I would go to families first spot. And I remember specifically one of the families, the dad, he was like, basically being like, you shouldn't work there. And it was very, very intense for me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I don't get it. Like, and and wow. I, and, and honestly, like I do see it more now, but at the same time, even so like me as a, se- as a teenage girl, I would look to these magazines for inspiration and I would like get dressed in the morning, opening them up. And I like loved them. And I just feel like the teenage demographic is so special across the board. And I was felt so amazing to be able to have a role in that. And that was one of the main reasons I wanted to work in magazines was mm-hmm. the fact that these whether it's a teen magazine or a woman's magazine, like you are a brand and you are there to, I felt like I was really there to help empower them and help them and inspire them and give them information. And so I was like, and I still stand by this really, like, I I feel like it was better for me to be there because maybe I could have made a positive influence in some way.
0: Right. That's amazing.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It didn't come up so much, but I do think there were certain moments where I was like, what about this? Or what about that? And it was it was a good opportunity to bring that voice and those values in. That's so cool. Yeah. And then I think on the modesty aspect, though, after 17, I went to people style watch, which is no longer around fully, but it was a fashion and beauty magazine. And there it came up like a little bit more. It was still, the subject was pretty par like, I would do interviews with different celebrities or bloggers. And, you know, it was a lot about like just fashion and beauty advice or confidence advice, like stuff that can apply to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we did start a website though, while I was there. And so we were all trying to like crank out a lot of articles every day. And a lot of the stuff that did well was like this Kardashian in a bikini, you know, <laughs> like writing about that. And like, that was a p- the point where I was like, this feels a little weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. I, yeah. I don't want to write about this. And I did not like, I just like pass it to someone else. I just didn't take those stories because I was like, this just feels really weird. And like, we're exploiting that for the clicks. Nice. Oh so, yeah. So there were like a couple times it came up, but thank God for the most part, like I really had a positive experience with. With it, and I viewed it from like the context of a women's lens or a teen lens, and just writing articles that can really help inspire anyone, even if you are Jewish, you know, or observant.
0: Yeah, that's so cool, and I love how you've channeled this, like this your experience in, in journalism, and you've you've created this amazing online magazine for Jewish women, which I I really want to get to and talk about. But first, I want to ask you how you ended up meeting your husband.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So basically, yeah, over maybe four to five years, I was working in New York at these two magazines and becoming observant at the same time. And I guess I had been working at People's Style Watch for about two years. And we were, we kind of like got word that the magazine might be folding coming like soon. Okay. And at the same time, I was starting to get a bit frustrated. Like I was in a little bit of a rut, I remember. And I had been dating for a little bit. Jewishly, I was like, I'm not sure where to go. And I kind of felt like I needed a little bit of a change. And I was like, I have, I've been learning like one to two times a week for, you know, four to five years. But imagine if I went to seminary and I could learn, you know, the equivalent of one day there is like weeks in New York. Wow. So I just like, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this feels like the next thing I have to do. And it honestly kind of felt similar to the beginning of the story where I was like, you know, it looks like I might need to get a new job anyway, if this magazine folds. So maybe I should go now for a couple months and then look for a job when I come back, you know, because if I just get a new job right away, I'm definitely not going to be able to go. Right. Yeah. So then I ended up quitting my job. Um, yeah, we still had it. Um, and I was like, this is, it was like around August, LOL time. And I was like, this is such a good time to go. And I actually tried to see if they would let me work from there a little bit, but it didn't work out. But okay. I was prepared. Okay, I'm just gonna take the chance. And I yeah, so I left and I went and I went to Majesha Rachel for I, I was planning to go for a couple months, like Elohim and the Hakim. And then right after Sukkot, um uh, my sister also went to seminary in Israel. She went to Shorim and a nice. rabbi's in there. Yeah, a rabbi's in there who I had met through her. Um, got word that this boy was visiting during Sukkot, and she, because I was in Israel at that time, she thought of me and wow. she was like, yeah, she was like, "What about her?" <laughs> and like, she just, uh, she didn't know either of us very well, but she put us together, and we went out in Israel and that's how he met I mean we, he was just visiting for two quotes we went out on two dates while he was there then we talked on the phone then he actually came back to Israel and we dated in Israel and then I was supposed to go it was like a whole back and forth thing basically and where was where was
0: he based at that at that point
1: he was in New Jersey in Passaic okay and yeah and then he um I was supposed to, on my flight home, which was supposed to be my flight home for good from Israel. I actually really wanted to stay longer, but, um, I was like, I had just the one-way ticket. And so he was like, maybe you just shouldn't book your flight back right away. And so, cause I was coming home anyway for a wedding at mm. that same time. So I had to come home anyway. And then I came back and I literally just stayed. Like I didn't even bring all my stuff. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And then we ended up dating more and got engaged and um got married in america and then went back to israel together
0: nice my wedding
1: so well, got, that's, my
0: got your <laughs> stuff <laughs> nice so wow that's so nice it's so nice you guys were able to spend time in israel after you got married It's so special
1: yeah yeah it was a few months but it was really important yeah it was great even a few
0: months though that's it's a solid amount of time yeah and- yeah any, any time I feel like it's just building that foundation in a place of, of, in a holy place. And it's very special. Now you guys live in Moscow, Russia, correct?
1: Correct. Recording live from Moscow. Recording live from
0: um, Moscow. That's so cool. So how long have you guys been there? And I want to hear a little bit what it was like being a newlywed in a new country, that transition and, and also how it's going now.
1: Yeah. So, So we got married, we went to Israel after about a month, and then we were there for maybe three months or so, and then went to Russia from there. And in the beginning, it was honestly extremely difficult. (laughs) Like that was one of the hardest times, maybe ever. Um, It was just, I think it was just really, I think it was just really a shock to my system. And in many, many ways, um, I you know, I just had left my job. I went to Israel. This kind of happened really quickly in a sense. Um, right. Yeah. Even though I was ready for a change, like I really changed like my whole life. Yeah. Um, And I was going from being like an independent working woman in the city with my own apartment, uh, to a married woman in Russia, you know, like, (laughs) um, like not knowing anything or anyone or the language or how to get around. Like, I think that was just really hard, especially the first week. I remember I was just really struggling and I was like, I don't even know how to go somewhere if I want, like, I don't even know how to order a taxi to get me somewhere or like how, what to use wow. or what anything like, it was just so, I was so, so, so dependent on him and oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And at the same time, you know, obviously in the religious world, you don't date for years beforehand. So I was also adjusting to marriage in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just like a lot. Um, at the same time, you know, I do think Hashem, you know, puts us in the situations where we need to grow. And ironically, like being here has helped me now, thank God, build my marriage and we've been able to create a really strong relationship and probably because we were far away from the right. world right right yeah and had very very right. yeah and had to do it away from everyone and everything and really like rely on each other and build a relationship fr- from a difficult time like it wasn't like oh everything's great and like we like really went into things early on and had to adjust to things early on and I had to learn a lot, and we we both had to learn a lot,
0: and just yeah, different ways. A hundred percent. I I really relate. I mean, obviously, your situation was objectively more challenging because we moved to Los Angeles. Like, at least there, you know, I'm still in America. I can speak the language. You know, you can't compare. But I had a similar experience where I just I re I don't know about you, but I really underestimated how hard it was going to (laughs) be. Like, I just spoke about this in a recent podcast, actually, where you know, we were newly married, I moved to a brand new city, I knew one girl who I had only recently met. And it was really, really hard. I cried like every single day. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was just really rough. And I remember my Robinson, um Ruthie Lynn, she told me, you know what, you guys don't have your families there. You know, my, my husband's family's in San Diego, which is like a good two and a half hour drive away. And my parents were in New York. So she said, you guys are going to learn to rely on each other and that's it. And it, and it's true because you only have each other and it, but it is good in that way because you're really forced to build, build a strong marriage. Um, so in a way it is good, but it also is very challenging.
1: Right. Right. It's kind of like you're in a crash course early on. Right. Yeah. Maybe. That you know, I'm sure that also happens, of course, with couples, not in those situations. I mean, you just are forced earlier on to, yeah, like you said, rely on each other and, you know, get into like the nitty gritty details of life, like much earlier. And yes, yeah. I think Thank do- God, you know, when it he- works out, that's like the best gift. Because now, you know, wherever you go, hopefully you have those skills and you have that bond.
0: Yes, for sure. And do you do you feel like, being observant Jewishly and having the Torah wisdom and all that was helpful to you like during these past couple of years um in this stage of your life being newly married in a, in a foreign country
1: definitely I mean I think in the very very beginning I was a little bit like oh my gosh like I was kind of like questioning like did I make the right choices in my life like did right. I move quickly like you know, like I, I would ask rabbis, like, you know, I would talk to mentors and I would be like, you know, I know Hashem, they'll put me in the situation. And then it was like a whole conversation though, of like free will versus Hashem's will. And like, which one is it? Like, it was like a little bit confusing because I was like, I chose this, but at the same time, like, Hashem has a path and one of my Robertson said that to me she said like I really believe that like Hashem underneath everything is guiding us and like is this string that's like pulling us forward into these situations and I know we all have free will and it's true we do like we make our own choices but I really believe that like I, yes. I look back, and, like I'm sure you do too like going on dates with certain people like sometimes you just can't explain why it works out or doesn't work out or why you like this one person and not this other person you know right. like right I, that's Hashem like leading you to that person or leading you on, like, on a certain like me. When he told me I might have to live in Russia, you know, like, I was like, What? Like, I was like, No, like, if, and, I, and he told me that, like, after we went on a few dates. I think if they had told me that before we started dating, I would have said no for sure. Wow. Like, so it's just like things I just feel like happen the way they are supposed to happen, and yes. um. I do think and you know, as it progressed in the, in the harder moments, because even as it got better, like even now, like it is better and I've adjusted and I can manage it. And I, I could talk all about like how much this experience has changed me and enhanced my life and just made me a better person, but it's still difficult, you know, living far away from family and friends and a hundred percent. Yeah, like the life that you know, but I do really believe deep down. I'm like, okay, well, Hashem wants me to be here right now. And like, I need to focus on that. And I know it's for a greater reason. And I feel like those types of thoughts really pull me and get me through and you feel like I'm doing it for a higher purpose. So
0: yes, I give you so much credit. And it's so true. I like the story, what we tell ourselves and our thoughts. And and I think those they're true. They're 100% true. Like, I was just reading, I'm reading the book, um, Gateway to Happiness by Rabbi Zelig and I speak about it a lot here on this podcast, and he's all about replacing sad thoughts with happy thoughts. And I was reading something recently where he said, like, when you're in a situation, it's best to act as if you chose to be in the situation. It's best to tell yourself "I," to act as if you've chosen it, because at the end of the day, you had free will, you chose to marry your husband, but- Hashem wouldn't have allowed you to choose that if he didn't want that for you. So for sure, you have free will. Hashem's guiding you. And this is where you're meant to be now. But feeling like, okay, I chose this. And this is where I'm meant to be. And this is what's best for me right now. Even if emotionally, it doesn't always feel good. You know, it's challenging and it's hard. Um, I feel like that's like a much healthier way to view it. And I'm sure, I believe me, because I, I go through this and I struggle with this a lot, it's much, it can be very easy sometimes to just be like, why am I in this situation? How did I get myself here? Doubts and be feeling like a victim and a victim of circumstance. And we can really drive ourselves crazy. Um, Yeah. yeah. But what you said is really beautiful. and, And I think it's very true.
1: No, that's so beautiful. I really, really, I really like that. And I think that's an important reminder. And I think to build on that, like to, you know, I just heard something like the best um, way to handle any sort of like doubt or insecurity is like to take one step of action. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's also like bringing it into like, we have, we can make another choice now. Like, you know, it was really, I was like, it might be hard, like some, it's hard for me to reach out to people here, or I don't know if we're going to connect, but then I reached out to a woman and was like, do you want to meet up, you know, or like just doing like making the choice to do one thing to help you in your situation also can help. Even if it's a
0: hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I guess I want to shift gears into your magazine high on life, which I love, absolutely love that name. So can you tell us a little bit about the magazine high on life, how it started, what's the void that you're trying to fill and yeah, just just give us a little a little background
1: yeah so so when I first moved to Russia I was actually I got a remote job for Mishpacha magazine when I was here and I was working on their business magazine um, which was called 2.0 and that was really great and that was a blessing to have when I first when I first moved here so I had something in connection to the outside world and was working um, and then right around the time we have one son who's almost two. And right around the time that I had, I gave birth to him, the magazine, it was also ending, like the resources weren't there, it kind of got absorbed into the main magazine. So it was a natural ending. And then I gave birth anyway. And then about maybe six to seven months after I gave birth, I was like, okay, I really want to like, get back to something. And this um, idea, honestly, I had been thinking about doing something like this, like before I was even religious, like I remember talking about it with one of the Madri quotes on my mayor trip she's like you should do a magazine for Jewish women like and I just always loved that idea because like we spoke about it. it was like these topics of teaching you how to be a human and like these important life topics um and I feel like I really really loved the magazine world and what it stood for in the sense of like being something that comes every month that's either for like female empowerment or teen empowerment that just gives you like hope and inspiration and I know people have thoughts on the secular magazine industry but like I think it really is that for a lot of people like it really is like inspiration and it makes you feel like you can do anything and yeah I felt like it would be really cool to have that in the Jewish world and um I had always just been thinking about it so I guess (laughs) to the point of what we were talking about before too of like just taking one step in that direction I was like and also because it was partially that and partially like, okay, I'm still here in Russia and I still want something to do. And maybe I need to create that for myself, you know? Nice. So I was like, I'm just going to start with one interview. And I really, like the, how I felt after I did that interview, I was just on such a high. like, Wow. And I really like loved it. And I was like, this is a big reason I have to do this. But also because I'm really passionate about inspiring other women and helping where I can and I feel like there's every woman, you know, has an amazing story to tell and has something to share. Yeah. So I was like, I want to share these stories. Like, this is what I love to do. And I think, you know, being far away, like sometime, you know, I wasn't working in a traditional job and there was a part of my potential, I feel like wasn't being utilized. And that can be like really painful. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And so I, I was like, I just really want to do that and combine all of those things and create something. So that is why oh. I started it. And I think the void is like, you know, we do have magazines and there are magazines in the Jewish world targeted to women, but I think, you know, I really wanted to to do it in a way that was like a bit like lighter. Um And in a way that was empowering and thoughtful, but also that like really showed the women and showed pictures of women. I actually remember, no, you know, I had a great experience at Meshbacha, like no shade. Everyone, they have their reasons for why they have to do it. And it is what it is. But um, one of the women said to me once when I was asking her to be interviewed for that, um, she was like, look, like you can't be what you can't see. And, like, Mm. that really stuck with me. Like, I just feel like showing these women and all that they're doing is really important. And on that note, like, I know 100% I would not be where I am today if I didn't have these women that I look up to and that helped pave the path for me and that I could look at and be like, they're doing it or they're doing it or she's doing this or that. And, like, that has been, like, one of the single most important factors guiding me throughout everything, you know, like the Jewish journey, marriage, life, everything. So it's so true. Yeah. Like highlight even more stories of women who are doing that in the hopes that like, if someone reads that one person, they're newly inspired or they learn something new. So
0: it's not like Mishpacha magazine where it's in the house and, and there's men there and they don't want to show the pictures, whatever, whatever the reasons are. But the fact that you have an online magazine, and, and, you know, okay, men don't have to go on it if they don't want to, but it's, it's so, I love that, I, that you're able to show the women. It's very important. And, um and show you've showcased so many amazing, like amazing, amazing women. And, and not just that, I love how you also have like thoughts about upcoming holidays and getting into the time of the Jewish calendar that we're in and, and practical things that you do to kind of feel connected like it's very real and um, I just really enjoy reading about how you connect and you write beautifully and I just also love the aesthetic of the magazine too it's it's just it's just so pleasing to the eye and enjoyable to read and inspiring and practical so it's really it's really awesome and I'm, I'm really enjoying watching it grow.
1: Thank you so much. That's really, really nice and encouraging to hear.
0: Yeah, for sure. Is there is there a favorite um, piece that you've done so far or a person that you've interviewed so far?
1: Yes. I mean, it's hard to choose like an actual favorite because I feel like there's so many different buckets that articles fall in. But I really, I think like some of the most, I guess a few of the most, you know, inspiring for me, one of them was with... Um, who deep refs in from Neve Yerushalayim? She like started a whole go green initiative at Neve, and some oh. like sustainable life was something that I was thinking about for a long time when I was in I Everyone really wants to do something on it, and I just feel like in the Jewish world, it like, can be a little bit taboo. And I just that's another thing I really like is like you have these women who are totally observant, and they're showing you like ways that you don't have to feel guilty, but just like ways we can talk about these important issues. Like yes, being it, you know. Um, <laughs> Wow. Um, Yeah. That was like really, really nice to connect with someone and to be like, okay, I don't have to be ashamed to talk about this. Like, here is someone who's doing it and here are small ways you can do something um
0: i loved that piece i i really enjoyed that piece i i don't know if you know but my i have a background in environmental studies and i i yeah i was very into sustainability and climate change and i studied it for many years and i was planning to work in, in that field professionally and right now i'm not but obviously it's something i really care about and it's really important I think sustainability is viewed in a a different way in the Jewish world, more in terms of just keeping the Jewish people going. (laughs) I think like that's like the the sustainability that's like prioritized, which is understandable um, given that everything we've been through. But I think it's so cool that you highlighted this piece of sustainability, the environmental awareness, because it's definitely needed in the community. And to see someone like this, Yehudit Refson, who, you know, her husband's a rabbi, she's totally religious, but she's doing such cool, amazing things on the base campus and i just love the article it was so cool
1: thank you exactly it's exactly that like it's like showing that this was like the key for me like showing that you don't have to change yourself to fit a certain mold that you think you need to be it's that you can bring yourself into the jewish world and you know explore that within the context of judaism because i think for a while i felt really pressured like I need to look like this other woman that I, all the women I see in her you know, even though like, maybe they look similar on the outside, but everyone is so unique and different. And I think sometimes though you look on the outside and you think, oh, I have to fit into this one thing. And like, I just really wanted to show that like every woman is unique and different and you bring your own unique spark or passion, whatever it is to that life. Like it's exactly what you're supposed to do. And so I think, yeah, yeah, that was like exactly the goal with that. Yeah. And and then I, yeah
0: no no you Um, go first you go first
1: i was gonna say like other other important issues that we don't see sometimes like there are just so many like ellie chevary shown i interviewed was a black woman who's totally observant and like the things that she's gone through i'm just like and you know maybe because we just don't see it that much we're not open to it and i just feel like things like that that really open your eyes to these issues just makes us all better people and all better like focused on our goals of like being Kiddush Hashem and, you know. Yes, yes, sanctifying,
0: yeah, Kiddush Hashem is sanctifying God's name, 100%. And it's so cool being the editor of a magazine that you get to choose, you know, you get to choose, you have control over, you know, what you can, what you write about. And so you have a unique opportunity to highlight things that, you know, wouldn't necessarily be featured in um, the mainstream religious magazine which is really cool. And I think the fact that you started this magazine, first of all, that you kind of created this project for yourself, I think hopefully can be very empowering to other people. Like you're sitting in Moscow, you know, you're very disconnected from your from your Jewish community, you are disconnected from your profession. And you're like, how can I reignite this for myself? And how can I do something creative and use my all my skills and connect Jewishly? And like, this is the perfect thing. And, And it's also hopefully helping other women who are on their own Jewish journey, too. And so it's cool that you're taking all of your skills, just like you said, and your uniqueness and and infusing it in the Jewish world. It's very cool. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And shout out for people listening. I interviewed Jenna. So if you want to learn (laughs) more about her, you can check that out on there.
0: (laughs) I'm very, I was very honored that you asked to um, feature me really, Uh, because there's some amazing, amazing women on there, you know, given everything we've spoken about, do you have any advice for people who are listening that are maybe on their own Jewish journey?
1: I guess the the biggest piece of advice I guess I would say is to really move at your own pace i you know I definitely moved very slowly, not even like actively at the time. that was just naturally how things were going for me, mm-hmm. and I don't think anything else would have worked like I kept kosher fully at in a certain moment where I just felt like I need to do this, and mm-hmm. I I don't I think it would have felt like too much pressure otherwise and I think and I have seen in in certain other women who are growing sometimes they feel pressure even if it's not external pressure maybe pressure they're putting on themselves to be at a place that they're not and it can be really hard cuz you feel like you need to fit in a certain mold or fit in a certain level of religiosity and I really feel like things just happen at the right time and yes. like it's true. Like this one girl I'm friends with, like she was growing and she was like really struggling with that. She was like, I'm not there. I don't know if I want to be there. And I was like, I had the exact same thoughts. And then now a year later, she's like, I'm so much happier. Cause she just needed the time to figure out what works for her and needed the time to learn more and to grow more and to figure out what she wanted. And I think that is, I guess in anything in life, you know, sometimes when we're in it, it's just, we don't, we're so like, we want to get to the end or get to the, where we're going to be. And I just think we need to have patience with ourselves and just know that like you are on your journey. Hashem is there with you and it, yeah, it's just exactly the right place. Like let it happen, continue growing and learning, of course. Like, but like through that, I just really feel like things will
0: They happen. Happen. Yeah. Happen at their own pace, the way they're meant to. I think that's such, such good advice. It's so important. I have a few friends who they became super religious, super fast. and, And it almost felt like they felt like they were better than everyone else. They were like more religious, you know, and fast forward, however many years now, and they're not as religious anymore. Mm -hmm. you know, like they just kind of fell off and it's just, it's just an interesting observation, you know, versus somebody who goes slower and is maybe a little more intentional and, and careful and, you know, doesn't push themselves or pressure themselves and does it when they really feel ready to take something on. And, and like, I think you made a good point that, okay, obviously you want to keep growing and keep learning. You can't expect to keep growing if you're not connected and, and, you know, it's just, then for sure you're not going to, but yeah, growing at your own pace is, is so important. And it actually reminds me of something that I've been thinking about recently. There's a man named Moshe Feldenkrais, who he developed the Feldenkrais method, which is like a whole neuromuscular method, and it's really changed my life. Um, but he, one of the, his like foundational principles is you can really only learn slowly. Learning never happens quickly or rushed. And I think it's the same with this, you know, when you're, when you're, there's so many mitzvot, the Torah is so vast and so deep. And when you're going on this journey, you have to take it slow, you know, otherwise you're just not going to be able to absorb it in a sustainable way or make it your own in a sustainable way, I should say.
1: 100% agree. I think that's such a good quote too. And it's something that's so hard to see because sometimes you're doing something and if you do something small in one day, you're like, like what did I even do or like I'm not doing anything but like I think like growing Jewishly has taught me this and starting this website has taught me this because I just literally reached out to one person like I was like I'm just gonna reach out to one person do one interview like and like you see how the little steps add up and yes obviously the same in your Jewish journey like okay you go to one class then you do this and like it's over like years and you just a lot of the times you see the end process even with like something like cooking honestly yeah I looked at my Rebitson who's been making Shabbat for twenty years. You know? Right, I'm right. Like, why does my food taste like hers? Like, oh, like why am I not like hosting as well? Like you can just put pressure on yourself for everything. And it's like she yeah. been making thousands of Shabbat meals. Like yeah. thousands. And you realize, oh wow, my chicken soup this week, like, you know, now that I've made it ten times, like is better than the first time. Like it's just these very small, like Things. Yeah. and when you're trying to do like you just there's no substitute for that it takes time and like these little steps really add up and like we just have to have patience I guess and whatever it is and it's really hard maybe for the human condition if it sounds like it's from this book as well like it's just we want to be there we want to grow we want to get there but like yeah 100% yeah.
0: and I think that's <laughs> such a great point it's it's about the process it's about the small steps and and they are cumulative 100% and I think another thing is that the main idea is like, which direction are you going in? You know, are you going up? Or are you going down? And I think as long as you're going up, it doesn't matter how slow you're going, you know, cause you'll get, you're, you're, you're moving, you're progressing, you're growing, you know? So yeah, that's such good advice. Um, Alex, thank you. This has been, this has been amazing. This has been so nice. And, um, I know for a fact that listeners are going to take a lot out of this. There's so much good stuff here. And last, where can people find you online and, and your magazine and everything?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's so fun. It's so great to speak with you and connect. And yeah, I feel even more rejuvenated after our conversation.
0: Um, <laughs> me too. And
1: yeah, you can find the website. It's Chai on Life, C H A I on Life Mag, M A G and it's High on Life Mag on Instagram. And um, yeah, you can find everything amazing. I'm going to
0: link to it below also below the episode in the notes. Um, Okay, awesome. Alex, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, give us a rating, a review, and of course, share with your family and friends. Be blessed.